Hello, friends. I'm your host, Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. I'm so glad you tuned in for another great story that is definitely a God story. Today, your faith will be built up by my dynamic guest, Kim Cossie McKee, and I promise your walk with the Lord will be strengthened as you hear what God has done in Kim, for her, and through her. Psalm 37, 23 in the New Living Translation says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. This is certainly true of Kim. Since January 2019, she has been a bivocational pastor, but there's a lot behind that story. She's the community relations director for the largest contemporary Christian radio station in America, which is KSBJ in Houston. While she's also serving as senior pastor with her husband, Carrie, of the Latter-day Deliverance Revival Church. And that church was founded by her parents, Bishop Roy Lee Cossey Jr. and his wife, Barbara. The faith journey that brought Kim to this place has clearly been directed by the Lord every step of the way. And this gifted woman has been very diligent in her service to the Lord throughout her life. I know you will enjoy hearing how God has delivered in every detail of her life. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jody, for having me today. Kim, your father was a prominent pastor in the city of Houston. What was it like growing up as a pastor's kid? Come on, give us some dish. Ooh, okay. Wow. A lot of words come to mind. It was exciting. Um, it was also hectic. Um, it was rich. It was demanding. And at times, even as a kid, it could be stressful. Um, but overall, it was a rewarding experience. Um, it's like you, you knew that your parents were doing good for so many people and you were a part of that sacrifice, a living one, of course, <laughs> in <Yes>. the church world. <laughs> but of course, in ministry, there are many sacrifices made. And back in that time, it wasn't uncommon for missionaries to stay with you in your home, even though there were already 11 of us in that home. <laughs> wow. Nine children, our parents, I'm sorry, 12, because oftentimes, for well, a long time, my mother's mother, our grandmother stayed with us as well. Multi-generational household. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so there was just always room at the table for one more person. And when you have that many children, your place also kind of became uh, the neighborhood hangout as well. So I definitely have uh, pleasant memories of uh, growing up in a, a big family and in, in a pastor's family. You know, everyone who grows up in a Christian family, uh, which definitely yours was, has, but everybody has to make their own decision at some point as to whether their parents' God is going to become their God. I mean, we see it in the Bible, you know, we hear, we see Jacob talk about the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac. And it isn't until later in his life that he actually starts referring to God as my God. Mm -hmm. So when did that happen for you? When did Jesus become your God? I came to faith as a, a young child at about six years old, but as you stated, my God, that experience happened um, in college uh, when I was able to come just to a greater understanding that, okay, parents aren't here anymore. There's nobody to make me go to church. It's going to be about the decisions that I make. And so that happened when I was on the campus of UT Austin. Just again, I realized I was going to have to have my own identity 
in Christ. And so that started me on a whole new journey uh, with the Lord on a level that I had never experienced before at that point. Yeah. So you first accepted the Lord when you were six. Um, and I'm sure that being in that, you know, church family, you were nurtured in your faith, even at a young age, even though, you know, we kind of all have to make that adult, that adult decision, recommitting it. But what were some of those foundational things that your parents instilled in you when you were living in their house that carried you through? Sure. Well, one of the my mother's favorite scriptures uh, to quote for us was the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Now, of course, it put the fear of God in you because you always knew my parents aren't here, but the eyes of the Lord are upon us. Just that awareness um, that God was there, but not just in a fearful way. I also remember that when I faced challenges at school dealing with a bully or a test that I needed to take that I might not have felt as prepared for. I also can appreciate that our parents encouraged us to have a childhood. You know, even though we were growing up in the faith, I had some friends who grew up Pentecostal that they were, uh, there were a lot of rules and a lot of legalism that they had to deal with. I'm talking children who at times could not accept a scholarship because playing sports was worldly, you know, just some extreme things. But my father said that he decided he was not going to preach anything he didn't have Bible for. And so he, even though Pentecostal um, by experience and by lifestyle, they were balanced. And so I had brothers who went to to college because of scholarships to play basketball. You know, I mean, some of us went on academic scholarships and, you know, we could do uh, family outings together. And my dad would come outside with us and play kickball sometimes or jump rope with the girls or when we're playing jacks and the ball goes up, he grab it, you know, and run off. And so it, you know, they let us see the fun side of of life. It, It was all interwoven. It's yeah. just that it was always going to be good, clean, wholesome, fun. And that's just yeah. like a father God, you know, father, the, the God is a, a loving and wonderful father. I mean, he's the one who created the beauty and the joy that we see all around us. So if we can't experience it, we don't really get to know who he is in full. Absolutely. Because that's where that joy comes in. You know, they wanted us to realize that having God in your life, um, the only thing he takes away from you are the things that you don't need. But beyond that, he gives us richly all things to enjoy, just like he did Adam and Eve in the garden. Everything was theirs. Just that one thing. Growing up in a family of nine, you were probably never really alone on your own, having to make it by yourself. Going away to college, that was kind of a big deal because you were the youngest of nine, right? I was the youngest. away to college, you're, you're having to stand pretty much on your own two feet. You're absolutely right. I was, for the first time in my life, not going to be in the shadows of 
um, Bishop Raleigh and Barbara Kasi are one of my siblings. There wasn't a school I went to that there were not expectations because you're a Kasi. I know your parents. I know your brother. I know your sister. You know, those kinds of things. And thankfully, it was all um, in good association. People had good thoughts and good experiences uh, with the family. But I was looking forward to kind of charging my own course. I was looking forward to going away and just experiencing a little of the world. You know, I'd already planned. I said, you know what? In mom and dad's house, there was only uh, the radio station was usually attuned to one station. <laughs> it was going to yeah. be, you know, and even that it was Christian music, but a limited type of Christian music. It was either that or what me and my sister would call elevator music. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or easy listening. And so it was funny. There was a show that many, many uh, young people loved. It was either American Bandstand or Soul Train, you know? And so it, it was just funny when our parents weren't home, we would have with nine kids, you could have a good Soul Train line. You sure could. <laughs> but there was always going to be a lookout person. Somebody's looking out the living room to see if dad's coming, you know, <laughs> just because again, they, um, they just had a standard that they chose to live by. So I um, was looking forward. I, I loved fun and I was outgoing. I love, you know, music. And so I was looking forward to being a part of the party scene. Yeah. You mentioned that when you, when your mom and dad drop you off in college in your dorm room, you had a little prayer circle and they started praying. <laughs> What was going Boy, through your head? They. What happened? <laughs> Boy, did they. Basically, the party got ruined before it started. <laughs> no, they, they, we circled up and my dad, my goodness, he prayed a prayer. He binded he, what needed to be bound and loose what needed to be loosed and prayed about the friends and just, he covered the gamut to the point I almost opened one eye, Jody, <laughs> to say, okay, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> So you can stop now. <laughs> so, and he was faithful. God was really faithful to answer those prayers. And now you are very thankful that he did as well. You better believe it. That's right. Every prayer they prayed, even from childhood, we could hear our parents, um, especially my mom, praying to the point. Sometimes the kids would just slow our walk home, you know, because somebody was going to hear your mom Praying, but you're right. I grew to appreciate every prayer they prayed over my life and the lives of my siblings. Yeah. So you're in college and you're planning to kind of spread your wings a little bit and your parents pray that God will really direct your steps. And he started directing those steps. Tell us about what he did there. And I mean, he really used you in college too. I mean, it wasn't just here's a few nice friends that won't get you in trouble, but God said, all right, Kim, you're up to that now. He knew what was best. He overrode my plans. He did. I can remember that pivotal moment for me, Jody, is when I was preparing to go to my first trip away without mom being there. You know, you're used to her with her checklist. Do you have this? Do you have that? Um, and I'm, I had been invited to a trip to National Baptist Student Union through our campus ministry. And what made me uh, wanna go is that a girl that I had served with who was one of our leaders on campus in high school, she was always nice, always kind, but I didn't realize 
the, the depth of her walk with the Lord. So mm-hmm. I get to college. I always looked up to her because she was like a class president and she is a vocal, an outgoing Christian. Just that connection of, and her name was Kim. And okay. so she just embraced me and invited me to the first meeting um, for the, the fall of the uh, Baptist Student Union. And I'm going to be honest, I appreciated her invitation, but she also told me they were having spaghetti because people would cook. That's a draw. I'm <laughs> telling you, or college kid, you better believe it. And these nice people would provide a meal for the students on that day. So I went and um, man, I just, I felt I was in a good place. You know, Mm -hmm. I felt like, wow, this feels like home, the spiritual side of it that I was getting. So as I'm preparing to go on this trip with them, I felt a profound sense of loneliness. And I just got on my knees to do what I knew to do in a moment like that and started talking to the Lord. And he, I said, here I am, Lord, on this big, gigantic campus. I mean, my dorm had its own zip code. You know, you're talking 50 something thousand people and far less, far fewer African-Americans, maybe about 2,500. And um, I had been in school with African-Americans my whole life. So it was a culture shock, honestly, in many ways. And I'm saying, Lord, I just feel so lonely. What what are we going to do? And he just spoke to my heart and said, you're going to be okay. You and I are a majority. And I didn't fully understand what that meant. But going on that trip was when we found out about an opportunity for an outreach to minority students on majority campuses called Harambe, which is Swahili for Let's Pull Together. Honestly, I could have never imagined that the director at that time, um, Joe Parnell, God rest his soul, who was so dedicated to the youth on campus, they came back, the leadership team, and they began to identify who they thought should serve as the founders of this organization and put about five offices in place. And guess who they chose to be the president of Harambe, and each person also had a dual role. If you were going to be the president, you had to also oversee a, a committee. And um, I was president and oversaw the prayer outreach. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, you're making it clear the direction you will have for me to go. And so literally, yeah. that was a revival on campus that took place. It, it was just incredible. Tell us about that. I mean, you know, we hear about revivals happening on campus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, these days we want revivals on our campuses because there's so much division and so much stress and so much, I don't even know what to say about college campuses. Mm-hmm. It makes you fearful to send your kids to college anymore. Mm-hmm. But God was moving even then, you know, this is, uh, you were not at a Christian college. You were at a secular college. Tell us, I mean, what do you guys do? Yeah. How did this revival Great start question. and what did you see? So when I was talking to the Lord about how on the weekends, for example, I would feel so, I felt like the odd man out because everybody's going to parties or they're going to the game, um, they're dating. And so I'm like, okay, what am I to do as a Christian you know, with that doesn't know many people here. The Lord said, well, you and your friend, you start something, you start some activity. 
So what we started doing on Friday nights is having prayer meetings and Bible studies in one of our dorm rooms. Mm -hmm. And what we started finding out is there are a lot of children who go to campus with a God awareness. Yeah. Who, you know what I'm saying? They had made up their mind just like I had that I may not go to church every Sunday and I may not, you know, but yet when you begin to drink of that fountain again, now it's something even more special because it's peer to peer. And they're finding out for themselves. They're connecting with God themselves. That's right. We started coming into the realities of God, who he is, what he can do. So we would have, we went from having uh, prayer meetings and Bible studies in our dorms to um, many of us got connected with a gospel choir. So from that, what started happening is that people who were marginally Christian started, the revival began to happen when they began to rededicate themselves to the Lord. And some were, there were a lot of different standards of Christianity because people are coming from all these different places. But there were some of us who were doing our best to plumb the line, who were literally saying, you know what, to be a Christian means you don't have sex before marriage and you don't go out drinking and carousing. And, you know, people were just, they were able to kind of get in where they fit in. But Mm -hmm. I can honestly tell you, I saw people who at first were very obstinate and felt like, you know what, you know, y'all are, it's something worth, it doesn't take all of that that y'all are doing or the ways that you're denying yourself. And we also saw some people come to a deeper level of faith. Yeah. People who got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people who began to accept calls to ministry and missions. And I can tell you now there are people literally serving around the country who were either saved or went to another level during what took place on that campus during that four years. I mean, from literally pastors, some of them became doctors and lawyers, but saved doctors and lawyers. And, and it's, it was just an incredible, and it's funny because my father was giving me play by play as to what was happening. He was so excited. And I recently found a letter that I wrote to them in my sophomore year, and it brought them both to tears, me thanking them for the impartation they had made in my life and how I had come to know God for myself and the things that they said were real, you know. And it's interesting because you came from a Pentecostal background Uh and you connected really closely with the Baptist Student Union and those uh, people, you know, who came from a lot of the Baptist churches weren't necessarily familiar with spiritual warfare and the baptism mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And so when they started talking about this stuff, they turned to you and said, what do you know? Cause you come from a totally different background. Absolutely. And to be honest, I was so greatly outnumbered that that was something that I wasn't planning to just shout from the housetop, if you know what I mean. Sure. But the Lord knows how to put you on, as we say, front street. <laughs> <laughs> because we were in our a campsite. Uh-huh. So we're, we're, we have bunk beds 
on this mm-hmm. campsite. And so I'm at the top bunk and everybody had been out doing whatever. I'm going to bed and they started coming in very, very late. And the conversation ensues about, of all things, warfare, demons, demon possession, all this kind of stuff, like at 12 or one in the morning. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep my back to this wall, my face to this wall. I don't even know if I want to go there. But someone rats me out and goes, oh, Kim Kasi knows about, about all of this. So I'm telling you, Jody, that was a pivotal moment because mm. now I have an audience of about 15, at least girls who are all in the same cabin and they're literally sitting at my feet, hanging on every word. So from that, they knew that I had a deeper experience, an awareness in some ways. And so from that, many people just began asking questions and looking up, basically, you know, looking up to me and a few of my other friends who had just had deeper experiences um, in the things of God. Well, you know, when you have those, just those conversations that the Lord appoints. I mean, you weren't trying to orchestrate mm-hmm. this. I Not mean, at all. Very natural, very organic. And so, you know, their ears were open and you were, I'm sure, able to really share a lot about what to avoid. Absolutely. To keep themselves, you know, the doors closed to the enemy's attack and Absolutely. ways that they could resist the enemy and make him flee. I mean, those are things that, you know, until you have experienced a little bit of it and <laughs> either seen it so that you can learn from somebody else's experience or experienced it yourself, you don't know. Absolutely. And, um, God just really uh, enabled you to sow into those young people's lives, kept them from a lot of harm in the future. Absolutely. And the beauty of it, um, Jody, is that I didn't know I knew what I knew. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? This was also an opportunity for me to see how, you know, I was taking in a lot. Just being in the presence of uh, a movement where people allow the spirit of the Lord to express him, to have free course in, in so many ways. I know I grew up, I I also received Jesus when I was six and I grew up Mm -hmm. um, in what was called the charismatic movement, you know, when people were, you know, there were a lot of people being saved and delivered Mm -hmm. and there was, uh, I mean, people wanting, hungering to sit under solid biblical teaching. And I remember my parents used to take us to hear, you know, people like Derek Prince, who was a very Mm -hmm. theologically sound, very dry Right. Orator. Mm-hmm. And I remember even at ages six and seven, just being captivated by what he was saying. I mean, they didn't mm-hmm. send me off to children's church. I sat under his teaching and I still Absolutely. remember some See? of those truths that I learned at a young age. Absolutely. It was, it was truth and God was in the midst of it. And he was speaking yeah. to me, you know, like just like he was speaking to you, just being in the presence of that teaching and those truths. That's took right. root in our hearts. No one is too young for God Absolutely. to start, God to start sowing those in their heart. That's right. The word will not return void. And I can tell you, Jody, I learned more passages of scripture in that time period of my life 
than I ever have in history. Because the truth is, you are you're spry, you are at the height of your ability to just remember things, you're enthusiastic, you've got positive peer pressure around you. you I was devouring the word at that time. It was just giving so much life and fulfillment to me. I can't say enough about campus ministry and certainly not enough about uh, to encourage parents to continue to sow into your children and continue to, you know, just again, help them to understand and to see a balanced Christian life being lived out before them so that it's something that they, they want to have in their lives. So you mentioned also that a lot of people were being filled with the Holy Spirit in those college years, and they they had been Christians. We know that when we become Christians, we yes. become temples of the Holy Spirit. Can you explain briefly? I mean, this mm-hmm. is a big theological discussion, but we just sure. explain briefly. What's the difference of that experience being baptized with the Holy Spirit when you're already a temple of the Holy Spirit? And what difference did it make in your life and in the lives of the people that you saw? First of all, when it happened, Jody, I remember clearly because I'm riding on a shuttle bus. And really? I, yes, ma'am, I'm riding on a shuttle bus between classes and I feel this heavenly language coming up in my, in my spirit. And I just remember thinking, Lord, not here. (laughs) (laughs) Please let's not go there. But I feel, but, but what settled into my spirit is that I, I remember hearing about how the spirit of God is subject to the prophet, that the Mm -hmm. Holy spirit will not make you act unseemingly. And so I just remember thinking, I say, well, Lord, I want this experience, but let it me do this in the presence of our congregation and my family and all of that when I get home this weekend. But I knew it was as if the word of God was illuminated in Mm -hmm. my life and in my heart like never before. It's not just words on a page. It is life in me. I I mean, my faith went to another level without question. My boldness went to another level. It's like a a spiritual combustion happening on the inside of you. My prayer life, my praise and worship went to another level. I was more likely to serve God with reckless abandon to the point that the church that I had been going to, just because the van was taking me to it, I needed a place of greater freedom now. Yeah, that I now had the Holy Spirit because you're eating. It's like you're eating on a different level. Yeah, it's like supercharged faith. Supercharged faith. There you go. So God, just in the nick of time, blessed me to meet a girl who was going to, she was very dedicated to her church and she was driving back and forth to San Antonio, which was about 35 to 45 minute commute on Sunday, but was committed. A group of us were going there every Sunday. And sometimes the pastor's wife was coming to our campus um, to teach us. It was clearly a a before and after experience. And I'm grateful that the Lord allowed me to have that, you know, to be able to see the difference that it made in my life. After college, I mean, college was amazing. You just saw God working so much in and through you and making connections all over the country for you. 
And mm-hmm. so like most people after college, you were ready to just conquer the world. So where did God lead you? So I majored in broadcast journalism and speech communications. And I had some pretty lofty goals. I said, well, Lord, I'm either going to go into politics because I was always running for office and winning for office throughout my entire life, or I'm going to go into law school. So I was preparing to take the, the LSAT or I'll go into television or radio, some form of Christian media. Now I will tell you preaching, um, teaching the gospel, pastoring, that was not on that list, (laughs) that short (laughs) list of options that I was considering. I remember praying because I'm at this point where I'm about to leave the campus and um, I even applied for some jobs there because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just not knowing, you know, which direction I'm going to go. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you can accept that job, which there was a job in Wisconsin that would be a very low paying job, but that's what you come to expect when you're just starting out in broadcasting, Mm -hmm. um, that you're going to have to work your way up to a bigger market. He said, or you can go home and help build your father's church. I was like, mm, hmm. door number one, door number two, what should I do? And since I had been away from home for five years, um, since I stayed longer to get that second degree, I said, well, you know, let me go home, even if it's just for a year, you know, yeah. and then I can always continue on with something else. So it's a huge market. So there's, you know, absolutely probably thinking there's got to be a job there for me somewhere. Oh. Of course, I thought that because I had um, interned while I was in college at one of the major networks. And so I fully expected, I said, okay, I probably can have the best of both worlds. Go home, be with father, help the church, and also land this dream job, if you will. And so, you know, I came on home with high expectations that my career would just fall into place and my personal life would fall into place and that I would be there with family to help in the church. Things just didn't quite pan out the way I expected them to. Things just kind of, you know, God had his own plan, even in how he was to bring about all of that in my life, his own way and in his own timing. Yeah. So you were sending out resumes and you were getting letters back. Letter out. Well, for one thing, I didn't realize, Jody, I was shooting for the moon. I was shooting for these top jobs. I said, okay. (laughs) And I honestly think now that I have been in the hiring position before, (laughs) I can only imagine the laughter that at times fill the room when they're thinking, what? You want this job with this resume? (laughs) Well, when we graduate from college, we think we know everything. I'm telling you, I'm, and it's I'm not ready. until later that we really learn that, that we only learn we how to learn. That's about it. <laughs> yep. You learn how much you don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yes, that was, oh, that was such an experience. Cause I just started collecting the letters to, I, until I got up to about 75 letters, just wow. keeping them in shoe boxes. You had just come from the high of seeing God spark revival at the college campus and you come home, you know, kind of in obedience to the Lord. I mean, he Mm -hmm. gave you another option, but you, I'm sure you knew this is really where he wanted you to be. Mm -hmm. And now you're getting all these rejection letters and that can kind of shake a person's 
confidence and even make them question whether they're hearing God or what their mm-hmm. value is. And so when you started looking to God about that, he had an interesting message for you. He wanted me to learn how to, to trust him and to find my worth and my value in him and to just be okay in that season of, of growth. And I'm telling you, Jody, it was very difficult because my sister was also home and she had begun to step into a teaching career, you know, and I saw what um, a job can do. You know, she bought herself a car and she, you know, into her generous heart, I could use that car whenever I needed to, or if we, if we wanted to go to a movie, she would pay for me to go and, you know, but I just was like, Lord, when is it uh, going to be my turn? And so he spoke to me about, you know, spending myself. In other mm-hmm. words, when you don't have the money, um, use your time, give of the best of your service. And he was helping me to literally walk by faith and not by sight because I wasn't seeing anything. I wasn't. It, there was no wind, no rain. And the opportunity that did keep coming around that one of my friends was telling me about was not something that was along my career path that yeah. I wanted to do. And so I, I literally just kind of settled into eventually getting a part-time job, spending many days just talking to the Lord, trying to make sure I had missed the mark. You but know. you did start spending yourself when God told you that. I you sure did. Spending yourself, and how did you do that? I mean, when somebody hears something like that, they can think, well, yeah. you know, what am I supposed to do? So what I did was I talked to my father, who was my pastor, and he told me, he said, Kim, you know, you've been away. You've been exposed to some new things. You have fresh ideas, a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Whatever you see that you can do in the church, however you can see yourself using some of those gifts or ideas you might have, you know, let me know. Let you know, let let's talk about those things. So there I was. I started pastoring. I became the youth pastor uh, mm-hmm. during that season. I started an evangelism outreach team to go out to uh, win souls uh, for the Lord. And we would do um, some little skits um, when we would have evangelism outreach emphasis month to just encourage evangelism, begin serving in the choir and every now and then cleaning the church or, I mean, just whatever I could do to volunteer. I mean, I we would have at that time an annual conference that would also have day services. My mother loved going to day services. And so once I was able to drive, she preferred not to drive if she didn't have to. I would be sitting in these day services, Jody, with my mom and her anointed friends. These mm-hmm. were some praying women. I was always, if any of the young folk there, they were guaranteed some prophetic words. You know, everybody's ready to pray over you. You got a lot of personal attention. (laughs) Bless their hearts. They're all gone to glory. But the words they prayed and the things they spoke are still alive and well. Yeah. So from a human standpoint, you know, you have a nice college degree from a very prestigious university and you're working part time and volunteering most of your time. From the human standpoint, the prospects were looking kind of bleak. Yeah. But then God started opening doors that you would never have considered before. I mean, right out of college, you never would have considered some of these doors. Where did he lead you? Yeah, I certainly would not have considered them, Jody. 
<laughs> because one was at a jewelry store. It was, it was a place uh, in our area uh, called Best Products where um, I'm working in the jewelry store and had on my beautiful, shiny 14 karat gold UT ring as I'm helping customers, having them ask me when they see the ring, so you went to UT Austin. Wow, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. Are you just working here for the summer? <laughs> you know, like, hope so. I yeah. said, well, why are you working in a jewelry store? And, you know, again, they're being kind, but I'm just saying to myself, yeah, God, why am I working in this jewelry store? During that time, God blessed me to meet one of my best friends in life. I mean, she is since two years ago, I ministered at her eulogy. She's gone on to glory, but we had a lifelong friendship and I would tease her. We would tease each other and say, you're the best thing that came out of best. It was worth it if that was only the reason um, that I spent that time. And it was probably a year, year and a half. Again, a friend had been telling me about um, a mission in the city, one of Houston's largest missions for the homeless. And she said, Kim, I honestly think with the experience you've had between ministry and some other things you've done, you, you could work there. You could be an entry-level case manager. And she told me that a few times, but again, I'm tunnel vision at this point. I'm waiting on the job in Christian media. It wasn't computing. It wasn't resonating until one day I was impressed by, I now know that it was the Holy Spirit said, have you once asked the Lord if it's his, your will, if that's mm. his will for you to go and work there? And I was like, well, no, because <laughs> it's almost like I had a stinking suspicion. It might be. <laughs> it just might be as well just <laughs> I remember I remember praying saying well Lord I know this isn't your will but I'm gonna pray and ask <laughs> you if you want to open this door for me to work at this mission for the homeless which is totally off of my career path but if you're if it's your will your will be done and I'm telling you Jody I prayed that morning I applied for the position. The day I applied, the HR manager called that same day. That's unusual. Quite unusual. She saw my resume, asked me if I would be interested in an interview. And when it happens like that, it, it's an offer you can't refuse because you know right. it's God because you're yeah. praying. He, he responded. So that started a whole nother journey of faith building because I literally went from that job. I had about five different positions. Every time I would say, this is it. I'm ready to go, Lord. I'm ready to do something different. They would create something new. And it was always something that was going to be uh, move me forward. It was always yeah. an advancement. It was going to develop me in some other way. That continually happened until I reached what I considered was kind of the apex of all that they created a director of spiritual life position, which was like a chaplaincy position. Yeah. And I got to share the gospel with everyone that came through wow. the doors or somebody from my team could do that. And so at this point I had just settled into, you know what, God, you want me to have this ministry impact, this ministry assignment. Here. Yeah. I remember telling one of my coworkers, 
um, there. I said, you know what, Lisa, we're seven years in at this point. Um, she was having a tough day and we're having one of those conversations. And I said, but you know what, God has just graced me to stay here. I said, and if he doesn't open another door, and she knew of my desire to be in Christian media and, and some of my jobs involve some media you know, where I would be spokesperson for um, the organization. And, you know, there was there was some fulfillment still in that area. And back, I won a newsletter, uh, named the newsletter contest, which uh-huh. is how I ended up meeting a lady that was very pivotal in my career there. It was as if I had that conversation with this coworker. And it was two weeks after that, that now there's a connection to a Christian radio station that is made where someone told me that they, uh, the radio station was looking to expand their board. They wanted someone with some experience in the community. They wanted um, some diversity. They really wanted to broaden their footprint, all of that with community impact. And I accepted to volunteer to serve on the board because that now that's a step closer to Christian media, just being around that environment, this music that I'd listened to, there was some level of fulfillment um, in that. So again, I didn't realize God wasn't through even yeah. then. Now you're on the board of actually KSBJ where you now were. That's right. Um, and you were pretty young. Usually Absolutely. most of the board members are generally older. They've got some, you know, business experience for nonprofits. They're generally wealthy so they can donate to the ministry too. You were an anomaly on the board, but God had a reason for putting you there. Absolutely. He sure did. Again, I remember being on that board and I got to a point to where, you know, I said, well, Lord, when I, you know, first was becoming oriented, I said, hmm, you remember, well, there was this a song they would sing on Sesame Street when I was little and they would say one of these things does not belong here (laughs) can you guess which one so I would look around that room and go one of these people does not belong here (laughs) because it was full of predominantly Caucasian older gentlemen white hair as you stated many had businesses and our wealth I had neither and I'm just saying okay I'm 30 years old this African-American woman starting to spread my wings in my career I remember being asked if I would be a part of the strategic prayer committee on the board Mm-hmm. And they said the strategic prayer committee, it's basically we're going to pray um, beyond. They say we're going to pray before the plans are activated. Yeah, they said th- this committee, we're going to pray about those five year goals before they even are put into action. And I said, you know what? I can do that. I, yeah. I want to be able to do that. And so I began serving on the strategic prayer committee. And it was during that time that uh, we began to have uh, feel the leading of the Lord to become more deeply invested and ingrained in the community. And so we started coming, we created a community relations position. I honestly, again, keep in mind, I had already said that, okay, I'm good. I don't have to go anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Um, And now I'm serving on the board and volunteering. So I'm still having that sense of fulfillment, but God opened that door. I remember one day heading to work 
and the traffic was starting to get so intense because they were doing a lot of construction. And I remember saying, you know, I wouldn't mind going to work in a different direction because I was headed Southwest to work every day. And literally the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're going to work um, there someday. And I knew he was talking about working at uh, KSVJ Radio. I thought to myself, that is definitely going to take God. Because after all, you know, you don't just help create a position and then say, by the way, pick <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> but the way the Lord did that, we were having one of our meetings at a restaurant and the president at that time is casting vision and he starts describing this community relations person. And he said, we need someone in this position like a Kim Kasi. And he put his hand on my shoulder and it literally felt like the hand of God wow. resting on my shoulder. And the Lord just brought back to my remembrance. I told you one day you would work there. And so he he opened that door for me to start working at the station. And I am blown away because one of the first people I told was Lisa at the Star of Hope where I'd been working. Uh-huh. And uh, she said, but I thought you were content here. I said, and that's why God opened the door because yeah. you, you settle in and just let his, his will uh, be done. Kim, that is such a powerful truth. You know, when we rest in the will of God, he is so faithful to open the right doors and shepherd us to exactly where he wants us to be. There's more to Kim's story, which you'll hear in our next episode. But as I think of what she said so far, I'm reminded of Psalm 84 verses 10 and 11, which says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Each time Kim has had a choice to go her own way or sow into the work of the Lord, she sowed. And God's favor led her to places where she could not have gotten in her own strength. We'll hear in the next episode more about this and how God also blessed Kim with a very, very good thing. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, your love and faithfulness are so amazing, not just for Kim, but for every one of us. I ask you now, Lord, that you would draw each person who's listening into a closer walk with you, direct their steps, illuminate their path, make it easy for them to follow your leading. Psalm 34:23 says that you delight in every detail of our lives. So I ask you to take care of every concern weighing on the hearts and minds of these dear ones. Give them assurance soon, Lord, that you see, you know, and you are acting on their behalf. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. Links to the scriptures and other helpful information can be found in our show notes at HerGodStory.org. There you can also sign up for periodic emails, get a free Her God Story devotional, and find out about the Somebody Cares Widows and Orphan Fund. If you need prayer, feel free to call or text the Somebody Cares 24-7 prayer line at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. We'd love for you to share Kim's story with friends and be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And now I leave you with a blessing from Psalm 90, verse 17. 
May the favor of the Lord rest on you, and may He establish the work of your hands. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.